Two Geeks and a Marketing Podcast, episode 84, the one about Munro's motivated sequence, skills for social media managers, Adobe Express, and the film Prey. Let's get on with the show. And welcome, everyone, to year three of Two Geeks and a Marketing Podcast. We are back for more news, tech, content, and wisdom from the world of marketing. Joining me, a man on a mission to keep marketing simple, the host of the Ranch Vlog video series, and the author of Cat Smart and Marketing Plans, I give you Mr. Roger Edwards. Oh, thank you so much. And of course, I'm joined by a man who's also on a mission to demystify digital marketing. He's the host of the Content Marketing Studio video podcast. Please welcome all the way from France, Monsieur <laughs> Pascal Fintoni. Thank you very much. This remains an international production, plus we have lots of international content to talk about. But um, you're right, in the green room, you reminded me that we are beginning the third year of production of Two Gigs of Martin podcast. And can I just say, I feel incredibly proud about it. It's it's a massive, massive milestone. And uh, we've said this before, Pascal, one of the things about the pandemic in my mind has been, it's had a weird effect on time. I, I suddenly find myself thinking, you know, time has flashed by, like two years has gone by in a blink. But there have been times when time has dragged, like a whole week seem to take a year between recordings of the show. So yeah, it feels like it's flown by. But on the other side of the coin, we seem to have been doing it for ages. I can't get my head around that timey wiminess of the effect that pandemics had on on time. No, and now we get to the point where on the socials, I get like memories sent to me saying, yes. two years ago, you published this episode of um, To Give and Martin podcast. But for me, the memory is the preparation. Mm. Uh, it's the recording, the post-production with our colleague Tim, but of course, the reactions from those who are getting the shout out, but also those who are listening and, and, and watching it. These are individuals that we've not seen for a very long time because of the pandemic, sometimes because of just you know, physical distance, but also we met some new friends along the way. So yeah, it feels very special. Absolutely. And here's to the next 84. <laughs> Thank you very much. Now, it was your turn to choose the movie for film marketing. And oh my goodness, you have chosen, perhaps you know, intentionally or by accident, the most successful direct-to-streaming movie of all times to date. Yeah. Now, this is... Do we class it as the latest Predator film? Is that how we describe it? The latest Predator film? Part of the Predator film? Uh, franchise, which goes all the way back to 1987. I think the original mm. uh, Predator movie was launched in 1987. This one is an absolute belter, Pascal, an absolute belter, and it's called Prey. And we are going to talk about it today in film marketing. And we're going to have to make sure we do talk about the marketing because we could just talk about reviewing the film because it is that <laughs> good. It is that good. Excellent. So before we get to that, we've got a few segments to get through. The creator shout-outs, This Week in History, Marketing Tech, and Add the Content Spotlight. And of course, to begin, in the news. Aldi, Channel 4, LinkedIn, Starling Bank, Sage and Boots have been shortlisted for the 2022 Marketing Week Brand of the Year. And the winner will be announced in November. We've got some news from the movie industry. Entertainment company Lionsgate has launched a podcast division called Lionsgate Sound with four initial shows, including The Downfall of El Chapo, hosted and produced by Curtis 50 Cent Jackson. According to podnews.net, TikTok filed for a trademark for TikTok Music for providing online non-downloadable software that 
provides users with podcast and radio broadcast content, amongst other things. Wow, well, Google has introduced a new audio narration feature to some of its Think with Google articles. Audiences can now play the audio recordings on YouTube and listen to what have been called audio articles. LinkedIn is making its 20 most popular LinkedIn learning courses freely available throughout August. Titles include Goal Setting, Objectives and Key Results, OKRs, and Digital Marketing Foundations. But according to Business Insider, Facebook is shutting down its native live streamer shopping program on the 1st of October, suggesting that consumers' viewing behaviours are shifting to short-form video. Maynard's Bassett's has been celebrating the return of summer road trips with a massive game of I Spy. We spotted 20-foot jelly babies, 20-foot wine gums all around UK roadsides at iconic landmarks like Stonehenge. Wow, well, Lego is having celebration. Their 90th birthday, Roger, with online contests using the hashtag Lego 90 years, 90. You can share your own builds on Instagram and add to some already fascinating contributions. Can I just say something about Lego? There's a Lego shop in the new St. James Centre in Edinburgh. I'll say it's the new St. James Centre. It's actually been open for a year now, but there is a Lego shop in there. And I just had a quick mooch the other day as I was walking through. And there is some absolutely incredible stuff. There's a Titanic, a model of the Titanic. It's about 700 quid, and it's got about 9,000 pieces in it. And, and, and it's, it's absolutely colossal. It's huge. There's also um, a roller coaster, a looping roller coaster, which, again, is about 400 to 500 quid. And it sits about six foot high on a desk. And then the, the one that actually made me laugh is that there's even a version of the Green Hill Zone from Sonic the Hedgehog built out of Lego <laughs> with Sonic running along the, and then going around one of the, one of the um, loops. It's just the imagination that goes into some of these Lego sets is incredible. Yeah, interestingly, I think Lego has now made um, pretty much all the segments bar film marketing, but they have <laughs> produced, obviously, a film because they were mentioned in uh, Marketing Tech. And I remember you found an app where you could put your Lego bricks on, on the floor, literally, take a picture, and yes. then the app would suggest you know, what you could build. So it's just an, an incredible brand, uh, that contribution to you know, uh, education, to play. Uh, this is a family event as well. I mean, we've got, you and I have got a lot of um, friends of the show who will build Lego, uh, you know, sometimes it's a Death Star, sometimes it's something something else, and put that online. But uh, Lego themselves put together in their head office a giant birthday cake, and I've forgotten the number of bricks, but it's near enough 100,000 bricks oh. for that giant, you know, gigantic birthday cake. So, yeah, a great brand, um, and I loved as well the one that you read about the um, giant jelly babies, you know, and bring a bit of an element of fun <laughs> for what has been essentially the first summer holiday for quite some time. Can I take you back to the very first news you read out, you know, this idea of the marketing brand of the year, marketing week brand of the year. Aldi, Channel 4, LinkedIn, Starling, Bank, Sage and Boots. Would you be able to make a prediction as to the winner? Ooh, that's a very difficult question, Pascal. Um, blah. I would probably go with either Aldi or Boots simply because it's a, it's got wide-ranging appeal. Most people will shop in Aldi at some point in the year. Probably every single person in the entire UK would go to Boots, I would have suggested, but Boots the Chemist. 
Starling Bank are doing some good things, but I don't think everybody knows mm. who Starling Bank is. So I'm going to put my 50 pence on all day or boots. <laughs> yeah, so interestingly, the decision is reached by a public vote. Um, you know, anyone listening to the show can Google and you'll find the, the hype link and there will be a panel of marketing you know, professionals. Um, I, I think Channel 4's got a fair, fair chance because, I mean, interestingly, you and I have reported their, their activities on in the news in particular. But I was surprised, in a good way, though, to see LinkedIn uh, being making the shortlist. So this could be the surprise win, but I, I'm going to go for Channel 4 myself. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so there was a bit of an audio theme um, in the news, as some of you will have detected. Um, I... I you know, listen, I'm a big, big fan of Lionsgate and, and their production, but I'm perplexed as to why they would want to go into audio only. Um, is it as part of a test? And we've seen this before, Roger, where people have a foray into something that is not their core remit, and then they kind of stop eventually. Or do you think this is going to be something that is going to stay for a while? It sort of goes against established wisdom, doesn't it? Because how many conferences have you and I been to over the last five years where somebody has stood up on stage and said something like, by 2022, 90% or 85% or 99% or whatever really high percentage figure of content will be video. Um, and I'm not actually sure whether any of those people got the prediction correct. <laughs> They're correct in that there's a hell of a lot of video content out there to be to be consumed um but there is so much video around maybe people like Lionsgate are now starting to think well do you know what maybe there's a possibility that people want alternatives and that we shouldn't put all our eggs into one basket um or the predictions haven't come true and, and there's still a significant amount of people who actually want to consume written audio or other types of content than video so i guess it's another of those let's wait and see what happens but on the face of it it does seem a bit weird that a company that predominantly produces films and video would want to um get stuck into audio only yeah it could be as simple as um, making good use of all the tech and everything that mm -hmm. they've invested over the years i mean tiktok music something that you and i hinted out some months ago about tiktok looking at audio only content on their platform I kind of like, you know, what Google is doing with regard to audio articles, because again, you know, if you're traveling, if you're at the gym, or if you're busy cooking, you can listen to the article, because they are very, very good. The one that made me frown a little was this news about um, Facebook shutting down the live streaming shopping um, element of their offering, because according to them, consumer viewing behavior is shifting to short form video. Again, back to, you know, the, the data out there, that is not the case. I wonder if it's more a cultural thing as opposed to a viewing habits. What do you make of it? Well, again, I mean, Meta just seem to be obsessed with this whole short form video thing at the moment, don't they? And yeah, they seem to be t wanting to copy TikTok. They they get got themselves into a lot of trouble for overhauling the the um the look and feel of Instagram. They may apparently it never happened to me in my app. I, I think they pulled it before I got updated. But they the Instagram interface effectively was changed to look very much like TikTok and and there was a huge backlash against that and they've actually reversed it. So it does make you wonder whether these moves are actually um dependent upon genuine data insights or whether they're just following 
somebody else, which is to me what Meta seem to, to like to like to do is to copy somebody else who seems to be doing something well. The, the challenge, of course, for me, I'm thinking that uh, for all they're going to say, we've looked at the data and let's say live shopping to use a, a shorter label is not working on, on, on Facebook for us. So we're going to shut it down. But there will be exceptions to that. You know, mm. that there will be organizations, individuals, entrepreneurs who are doing very well because probably the content is damn good. And, and, and I think that for me, it's always a little... Um, no, no. You know, when, when the, the rug is taken, you know, off, off, off you know, this idea of, well, I'm, I'm doing fine, thank you very much, and suddenly you lose that, you know, kind of uh, ch channel, and it's back to this idea of ultimately you are on rented land, as someone has coined before. Yeah, yeah. We shall see. I, I, I don't buy. And by the way, I, I agree with you that only short form video or short form articles work because actually there's countless examples um, to the contrary. And, and, and indeed, you know that the move that you've chosen is uh, it qualifies as long form content and it's, it's done very very well. Listen, always a pleasure to go through the news items and reflect on on you know what it means for all of us. But let's slow things down and let's move on to the content spotlights. Now, every week, Roger and I share a discovery from the interweb. It could be an article, a podcast, or a video that can help us understand what it means to be a marketer in today's economy. So, Roger, what is your content spotlight for this week? Okay, Pascal, this is a little bit different this week. I haven't got a specific piece of content I want to talk about. I am pointing to a piece of content, but actually it could have been one of many that I found on YouTube. What I actually want to talk about this week is a, a process, a sequence that you can use in your marketing to get people to get people's attention and to persuade them to buy your product or service. Now, I often have conversations with my customers about some of those good old fashioned advertising sequences like everybody um, knows ADA, A-I-D-A, attention, interest, desire, action, and a lot of TV advertisements and video advertisements are based around the ADA principle. Another one is uh, for written work, it's, it's PAG, Problem Agitate Solution. PAS, sorry, PAS, Problem Agitate Solution. That's where you tell somebody about a problem they've got, you agitate that problem, then you give them the solution. Now, I came across another sequence this week, which I haven't thought about for years and years and years and years, Pascal. And it's one of the best. And it's probably more orientated towards people making speeches or having to stand up and do pitches and that sort of thing. But it's called, and I'd be interested to know whether you can remember this, it's called Munro's Motivated Sequence. And this actually dates back to the 1930s. This guy Munro was around in the 1930s and he came up with what is now known as Munro's Motivated Sequence. And the sequence is get their attention, establish the need, create satisfaction in the mind of the customer, i.e. solve their problem, then give them a visualization of what their life will be like after you've taken the problem away. And then, of course, the final bit is the call to action. Now, I went onto YouTube, and as you would expect, there are loads of videos of people explaining Munro's motivated sequence. So in the, in the spirit of content spotlights, I chose what I felt was the best and shortest and simplest 
of the people explaining Munro's motivated sequence, and I've included that in the link to the show notes. But really, it's not about that particular piece of content. It's about this actual sequence itself. So if you actually think about it, it's gloriously simple. And I'm going to give you two quick little examples here. First, the first one would probably be from a, like a TV advert that you would see, um, or you're, you're or you're stood up in a in a in a uh, meeting you're trying to convince somebody to buy your new hair product so imagine this is the sequence so to get people's attention you would say something like a third of people in the uk have greasy hair okay then you establish the need that's the next bit imagine you've already been to the hairdressers you've had your hair done it's looking good but by the time you get home by the time you get changed and by the time you get to the party it's gone dank again it's all greasy don't worry there's this new product it's called superwash and this is the satisfaction bit this is the way that we solve the problem superwash has got this great new um, chemical in it called ceramide r we've all heard of that before and it completely clear uh, uh, cures greasy hair imagine never having ha having that problem again where you go to the hairdresser you get everything sorted and then you get home and it stays absolutely perfect until you get changed until you go to the party and you have a great night and even when you get back home late at night it still looks absolutely spot on from the way it started so and then the final bit call to action go to the chemist go to boots and buy superwash and that's how munro's motivated sequence works and of course i thought i'd do a second example so grab people's attention did you know that only five percent of companies in the uk have a written marketing strategy so let's go on to the next bit the needs bit the needs bit is well without a strategy it's very likely that your communications your content your promotions your adverts will fail because you haven't got the strategy to back it up but I understand that, com that strategy can be really complicated and it puts people off. So the satisfaction bit, here comes the solution. I've got this really simple answer for you. It's called the circle of marketing simplicity. It's how I help people do strategy without even know they're doing strategy. And it's really easy and it's really simple to understand. Imagine you put all that money into your comms and it actually works. It hits the target, it meets the right customer need, it grabs the right attention of the right customers, it engages them, it gets them to buy your product, and it grows your business. And you put that strategy in place without even talking about the word strategy. How easy was that? And the call to action, come and talk to Roger about the circle of marketing simplicity. Now, if you think about it, Pascal, Munro's motivated sequence. If somebody said to you now, I'm going to give you five minutes to stand up and do a two minute presentation on how to sell chocolate or how to sell cupcakes or how to sell content marketing courses, you could use that Munro's motivated sequence and immediately, I think, come up with something really quite powerful that would actually work and might actually convince people to buy what it is that you are selling. So I was just absolutely delighted to rediscover something I knew about but really hadn't thought about it for such a long time and it was a, a great rediscovery on my part that one and once again you've done that so many times in the content spotlight this is a wonderful activity to do as mm. part of a training course or as part of a you know a team a discussion because you could split this into 
you know, you can imagine the whiteboards or the post-its or even the online kind of whiteboards and attention, needs, satisfaction, visualization and CTA. But also for, for many organizations out there where they're sometimes thinking, you know, how do we, how do we do this? You know, they, they know the CTA, they know the call to action, but there's so much that needs to, to kind of come just before. You've also, um, many months ago, brought, you know, the Steve Jobs technique of presenting. Yeah. And there's some par parallel there, isn't there, between yeah. the way it would pre present a situation and then present the, uh, the, the the kind of solution, but also it would help people visualize. And that's, to me, the one that we sometimes don't do enough of, and I do push my clients, you know, I said to them, what does success look like mm. with you, you know, compared mm. to, to, to others? And you've got to tell that story in a way that would invite the theater of the mind, you know, for the viewer and listener to, to kind of be engaged. Very much like... You, I knew, knew of it, but I would have struggled to tell you as much as you did the, the different elements of it. What is also delightful for me, and I know that it is a challenge for our industry because people want the newer, sh shinier object. You're talking about something that was invented pretty much 100 years ago. Yeah, I know. <laughs> That's the scary thing, isn't it? 100 years, and it's still relevant. And and again, you know, we've said that this on the show a lot of the times. Yes, we do live in a digital world, and yes, everything is online, and we've got all these fabulous acts apps available to us but a lot of the theory and a lot of the uh the, the stuff the structures that work are they have been around for a long time and they still work and that's why they are still around and i think for me i would invite people to develop them further to you know improve upon them but not to kind of cast them aside thinking oh that's old stuff there's going to be something something better um I'm going to use you know, probably a very clumsy analogy, but it's like wine. You know, the older wine costs more money than yeah. the more recent one. There's a reason for that. Anyway, I'm going to take you back into perhaps more recent um, undertakings when it comes to marketing in the world of social media marketing. And my selection this week, Roger, is a an article, but also a reflection by Andrew Hutchinson from Social Media Today. So. This is, I think, the second or third, you know, um, spotlight for Andrew. He's doing an amazing job as the head of content and social media for Social Media Today to keep all of us informed on recent, uh, most recent thinking and, and particularly the tech. And this is an article with the following title, A Look at the Most In-Demand Skills for Social Media Manager According to Post Beyond. So the, the, the setting or the context is that this organization, Post Beyond, has analyzed over 1,000 social media manager's job adverts on indeed.com. And they're kind of reflecting on, you know, what is it that people are looking for? Uh, potentially, what it, does it mean today to be a social media manager compared to five years ago, 10 years ago? And are there, for all of us, for you and I, maybe our friend Natalie Emine, are there some gaps as well in terms of what people are asking for? You know, that's also the key because sometimes you end up seeing job adverts written thinking, yeah, but you're not asking for the following or there's a gap in terms of your own understanding what it means to be a marketer. So I've picked up essentially the, 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 the essentials. I would invite people to follow the hyperlink in the show notes. But in terms of the tools or the platform, the top three, that are in demand according to the job advertising. Facebook came first at 61%, Twitter 57%, and Instagram at 56%. Now, all the other platforms were represented, but their figures in terms of uh, you know, mentioned in the job adverts were much lower. 
When it comes to duties and what you'd be responsible for, I will please you, Roger Edwards, media strategy, ah. 51%. <laughs> Paid social, which is interesting, at 46%. And then we'll have brand awareness, community management, project management, and public relations, all around the 23 to 24%. I was very pleased to see public relations from, from my part because I do do believe that this is essentially the evolution, you know, the PR as a discipline as evolving to what we do today in social media. In terms of verbs, I would express the expectations of your role as a social media manager. The word manage, of course, was mentioned, 69% uh, of the adverts, develop was 67% and create was 64%. And I think that's very true of our very unique discipline, Roger, that we can do both things. We can be very strategic and actually you could, you could argue very organized, but also very creative at the same time. That's the other thing that's one of the appeal of the profession. So there's more data, of course, you know, behind this article, and there's more reflection on behalf of Andrew and the team at Post Beyond. But there was one thing that the article mentioned was, uh, this is all well and good in terms of using it maybe to refine your LinkedIn profile, indeed, or refine your CV. But you should never forget that no matter your specialism, being a good manager as part of an organization is to contribute to employee happiness, employee retention and overall job satisfaction. This is really interesting. It's, it's not really something I've really looked at into any great amount of detail. As you know, I, I do quite a lot of work with companies in the financial services industry, and I can't think of one company that has a dedicated social media manager. They always give it as part of the responsibility to a marketing assistant or a marketing executive or whatever it might be. And, and for that reason, I think that those people are almost like set up to fail because they they haven't been really been given a proper remit. They've just been told, "Oh, go away and do some social media." Whereas this is much more prescriptive, isn't it? Saying, you know, this is what you're going to have to do. You're going to have to do a certain amount of strategy. You're going to have to do a certain amount of paid. You're going to have to do a bit of community building. So it's really good to actually see it in black and white, particularly given that some of the people that I work with don't ever write it down. I think for me, you know, there's been an evolution because I'm going to um, argue that the case that the duty of media strategy, uh, 51%, you know, today would have had would have had a much lower figure a few years ago. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, and and it's it's interesting. I nearly chose for my content spotlight today a, a video by Peter McKinnon. You know, very very famous YouTube. He's got millions and millions and millions of subscribers, but he's predominantly a photographer, and he was just effectively talking through some of those changes to Instagram that I hinted about before that they had to back out of, and he was just showing the growth of his account up until the point where they made these changes. And even him, with his millions of followers, his engagement and his reach completely cliffed. It fell off a cliff. Um, and you've got to be adaptable as well if you're a social media manager because they may pull the rug from under your feet literally before you even know it. And therefore, for you as an employer or, you know, let's say the, the marketing director, you've got to be aware of that. You're absolutely, mm. absolutely right to bring it up, Roger, because, you know, something that's working, you know, this week may not work next month or in six month time. 
And, and you've got to really have that mindset of a not blaming the individuals who are trying their very best with regard to social media, find ways to be always informed, listening to this podcast could be one of many ways to be keep yourself informed. But knowing I mean, it, we mentioned in the news you know, about Facebook's kind of doing away with their life shopping element, you know, it is I think perhaps what's unique to today's economy compared to when we started in marketing is that you and I could have had a strategy and let's say a, a number of tactics and we have some confidence that they would work to the tune of months. This has changed completely. We're talking in weeks and sometimes days. In days or hours, indeed. <laughs> Absolutely. So I hope that people, are, you know, you, you've enjoyed both actually um, content spotlights. As always, we don't talk to each other, but I think there was some parallel in terms of you reminding us about a wonderful, wonderful system to come up with um, key messaging. And for people who are working in social media, whether this is your full-time occupation or as an add-on to your very, very busy diary, these are the kind of things that you want to be implementing moving forward. Listen, shall we surprise each other again one more time with our selections for the marketing tech and app segment? So Roger, what have you found that could make life easier as a content creator or marketer this week? Okay, Pascal, I've actually only brought one thing to the table this week, and there's a reason for that, because we might actually end up having to talk about it a little longer than we normally do. Now, if you remember a few weeks back in my uh, marketing tech and apps, I talked about how Adobe had added these these quick links into Photoshop, and I used an example of how I um, I sometimes like to remove the background when I do um, um, thumbnails for uh, YouTube videos or for my marketing and finance podcast. And actually in Photoshop, that's really, really hard to do. It's, it, I mean, it's you can do it, but it's really fiddly and it, and it used to take me ages. So of course, I've been using Canva for a long, long time to remove the backgrounds. Now, Photoshop have recently, uh, as I said before, introduced these quick thing, these quick uh, um, buttons that you can press and they introduce this remove background thing which is absolutely superb and it works within a couple of seconds so i just found myself well i don't need to go out of um, photoshop get canva to do the removal of the background then come back into photoshop and carry on i can do it all in photoshop now this week i became aware of something new which is called adobe express and i'm beginning to think that Adobe are going to try and put Canva out of business. And I'd be really interested to hear what your thoughts are on this. So I dove in and had a really good look at Adobe Express this week. Now it's available as a desktop app within the Adobe suite. So if you are a subscriber to the Adobe suite like I am, and you've got Premiere Pro, Photoshop, Adobe Audition, After Effects, all of those things, you now just get Adobe Express included within your monthly fee. It also comes as an app for all the uh, all the operating systems for phones. So there's an Android version, there's an iOS version, and there's a different version for the iPhone and the iPad because obviously the iPad's got a bigger screen and, the, and there's more functionality. Now, I have to say, Pascal, the first time I went into Adobe Express on my desktop, I had to do an almost double take because it looks absolutely identical 
to Canva. Honestly, it is so, so close that you genuinely, if you put the screen side by side, you'd probably have to check the logo. It's that, it's that close. And even the look and feel of some of the buttons and the icons, and even the look and feel of the, of some of the templates that they've created, I'm looking there thinking, this is actually Adobe, isn't it? It's not Canva. And all the functionality that you expect from Canva is here in Adobe Express. And it all works very, very similarly. And it and so your workflow wouldn't be interrupted if you wanted to change from Canva to, to Adobe Express. And maybe that's that's what they're, they're trying to do. And all the shortcuts, all the different uh, Canva sizes, all the different templates, they're all in there. And they all look very similar. And I had a mess around for a good couple of hours and I couldn't find anything that I couldn't do in Canva that I can't do in Adobe Express. And that's why I wanted to spend a little bit of time just talking about this because A, do you think that Adobe are trying to effectively muscle out Canva? Because let's face it, Canva has had a really good run. They've been around for, oh, as long as I can. I, I've been using them since I started the Marketing and Finance podcast in 2013, so coming up for 10 years now. And, and it is phenomenally useful. But I'm just sitting here thinking, do you know, I pay $25 a month for the Adobe suite. I also pay, I think, $15 a month for Canva. It might be 12. It's about between 12 and 15. So I'm now sitting here thinking, do you know what? Cost of living crisis, blah, blah, blah. Every little helps. I could cancel Canva and just carry on using Adobe Express because I'm paying for that in amongst Premiere Pro and Photoshop and, uh, and After Effects and all of that. And the only, only thing that would keep me in Canva I guess, is the fact that I have already produced hundreds, nay, thousands of thumbnails or podcast heading sheets or, or you know, um, things for Twitter. And there, there doesn't seem to be any way, of course, that you can transfer them across and carry on using them in Adobe Express. So that it would be the only thing that might stop me from going. Now, again, you, you know, you can use Canva for free up to a certain amount, so I'm sitting here after having used Canva for all this time thinking, do you know, I could save myself, I know it's not a lot, but $15 a month and just go all in with Adobe Express. What do you think? Oh, wow. Yes. Do you know, I'm, I'm wondering because you've got to ask the question as to the business case, what would you want to take on Canva? And I'm wondering whether Adobe is going after a very, very specific demographic, those who want to be more than just Canva. And also they are on their way to becoming a, you know, a full user as you are of the Adobe creative suite, because mm -hmm. it doesn't make sense to go head to head. I'm, I'm really surprised and perplexed as to the like for like, you know, comparison of the, of the platforms. I would have thought Adobe could have tried to do something a bit different, just in line with their brands and so on. For me, the Canva, have, what I've done superbly is the vast, vast library of mm -hmm. templates. Mm -hmm for so many different kind of scenarios for video to soon very soon audio graphics of all sizes and so on that's been a wonderful enabler and then when they introduce of course uh, online sharing and and team working and team collaboration i think it would be for adobe themselves to find a way to extract and and import export what you've done on canva they, they have to be the one to be the enabler of that um like we've seen done with podcast um hosting hosting platform 
what I've seen and um, what I've, I've been told as well is that the visuals you get from Adobe Express are a fraction sharper than Canva, right. which could also be who they're going for, people who have that eye for details yeah, and go, yeah. I want it to be just um, much crispier. I just want it to be just sharper than what Canva can, can produce. So listen, it's all good for businesses to have options and, and choices. But you're right. If you've been using Canva for years, do you want to start again from zero? That's going to be a tough one, won't it? Yeah, absolutely. And and just going back to what you, you were saying there about the layout, I'm just sitting there thinking, are Canva even going to allow Adobe to get away with this? I mean, they may be lawyering up as we speak and yeah. filing lawsuits and saying, you've basically copied almost the the, the interface of Canva. Totally. Total copy. Now again, I mean, I don't know whether there's any there's any uh, copyright around a layout on a screen, but I would if I was Canva, I'd be seething about this. Mm. Listen, it may be give Canva a boost to also come up with yeah. new features or features yeah. that they've been holding back. They're going to release them suited. Competition is good for all of us marketers and, and yep. business owners. So that, that's great. Thanks very much. It was good to spend some time on, on the one platform. So for me, once again, informed by recent conversation with customers, um, we're looking at audio content creation. That could be for podcasting, could be for internal Ashley messaging. It could be for um, you know live streaming. Uh, I've been looking and discussing ways to remove obstacles. And the number one obstacle that people have when they attend a course that I've been hosting or, or whichever is this idea of getting a guest on the show. <laughs> you know what it's like, I know what it's like and so on. It's all to do with diary management. It's all to do with, you know, a different time zones and so on. So I've got a couple of options to for you to consider, which is this idea of receiving or inviting audio contribution, but not necessarily for you to be present. So the first option comes from Rumble Studio. It's a new um, application that's currently being promoted by AppSumo. And the idea being that you want your guests have agreed to be a participant, a contributor to you know the discussion, to the to the reaction to the news, whatever. You can send the link for them to click on and record an audio message that you can then put into your editing software and pull together a, a show. And, and indeed, you know, this is what most radio programs do. You know, they, they get contribution, they get recordings from different parts of the world. And then this is all stitched together into a single audio um, product. And I thought yeah, that's interesting. You know, is this also the evolution of content production? We could do this with video. Indeed, someone can record a video message and send it to you. This has been actually the practice from as early as I can remember for blogging. If you have contributors, you don't go live together on the document and write at the same time. It's um, done separately. You, the, the editor in chief, you know, kind of pulled together the final um, article. So, Rumble Studio could be an interesting one. What is lovely as well is they allow you the option to create a landing page on your website or be your podcast website as well. Now, the other one is more the DIY style of option, but WhatsApp, a bit more than a year ago, have released their desktop version, but it's been refreshed. There's a bit more that you can do with it. So, you can now literally do audio 
video calls and video calls via, from your computer that someone would, would reply on their mobile phone. So then what you could do, Roger, is be on your computer, open WhatsApp, but call somebody via WhatsApp on their mobile phone, and you can record the conversation on your computer and once again pull together you know, the, the podcast, whichever product you, know, you have in mind. So for me, it's back to this idea of, you know, we are all in a position to create better content faster, but we may need to rethink the process, the workflow, and the practices and it may be that live recordings or live kind of audience participation is something that will be reduced over time but you have the option of course for people to do it at a time and a place that suits them yeah and i think the rumble studio as well there are still people out there and i, and I have this even now get nervous don't they you have them on the podcast and you have to spend 15 20 minutes just chatting to them to relax them enough to hit record uh, and it's just because they're not used to going live on on a show even though you know there's if you're just recording it you and them there's nobody actually listening apart from the two of you but sometimes people just get really hung up about it so this is a good opportunity for people like that i guess who just want to do it in the privacy in the own and their own home they don't have feel there's anybody watching them or judging them and they can just record it and send it off and it becomes part of the podcast no absolutely so thank you again roger for bringing to our attention the adobe express for anyone if you've used adobe express let us know you can actually leave a voicemail message on speakpipe.com forward slash two gigs and martin podcast and if you have used rumble studio or are using audio recordings as i've mentioned using whatsapp and any others let us know uh, we'll be definitely interested to know what how it feels for you but as we mentioned before, Roger, none of this would be possible without the vision and dedication of pioneers from the recent and distant past. It is time to move on to This Week in History. In 1906, the Victor Talking Machine Company of Camden, New Jersey, began to manufacture the Victrola record player, the hand-cranked unit in its elegant wood cabinet, sold for $200. And in 1953, the movie Roman Holiday, starring Audrey Hepburn and Gregory Peck, premieres in New York City. It would later win the Oscars for Best Actress, Best Screenplay and Best Costume Design. In 1968, France becomes the world's fifth thermonuclear power, with a detonation on Muroa Atoll in the South Pacific. Very bad. But in 1991, Linux is born when Linus Torsvalds sends off an email announcing his project to create a new computer operating system. So a hand-cranked, elegant wood cabinet record player. Yes, and that, that's fascinating because, um, I mean, for me... Um, the best present I ever had at the age of 10 was my own record player. I imagine it must have been the equivalent to someone getting their first Walkman or their first iPhone. I don't know. But, you know, this was <laughs> sheer freedom, wasn't it? You know, you could go into your bedroom. And now, uh, at the time, I was given basically the records that my parents didn't like anymore. So I was condemned to listening to Sasha Distan and a few other, you know, <laughs> dire uh, French artists until I could e either get more presents or do chores around the house to get pocket money and buy my own records. But they decided that in 1906, um, there were already record player, but where this company, the Victor Talking Machine Company, uh, understood was people said, listen, I, I've got this record player, but I don't know where to put it. Literally, people didn't know where to put it around the house. So eventually, it became an inconvenience. So they came up with the idea of creating 
a elegant wood cabin that would actually fit into your living room or your kitchen or wherever you know people would uh, have guests and then you could entertain your guests by playing the music but it came from this great looking wood cabinet and in fact this inspired i'm told the evolution of radio players and and tv sets as well this idea of wood being you know encasing essentially a bit of tech fascinating isn't it that's incredible isn't it i mean again and you can you can just imagine it would have been made out of that sort of art deco uh, yeah. brown burr sort of color love it and i, I was thinking about the uh, the operating system linux or linux I, I, i've never uh, uh, known how to pronounce it exactly my memory's a bit vague around this about this topic because i was I remember buying Windows 95 for my computer back in the day, and there was that was a, there was a lot of talk of of Linux around that time, Linux around that time, because the the Windows operating systems just were buggy, and I remember I had a couple of occasions where effectively I had to do a complete re re um, install of Windows 95 on my computer and basically it wiped everything and in those days we didn't have you know very cheap um, external drives you know I lost quite a lot of, of, of stuff and I remember reading at the time about Linux as a really easy bug-free alternative to Windows um, and even had a look into it but at the time they're just you know games wouldn't run on linux and some of the you know, microsoft office wouldn't run on it so as you would expect i stuck with windows but i hadn't realized that linux was was effectively created in 1991 which is earlier than i thought i thought that it was as a result of windows 95 being a bit of a bug filled um suite no, I'm with you. I'm, I'm surprised by by the date as well. I mean, my memory was that it was used primarily by developers mm. who wanted a much freer environment. Um, I'm actually thinking, you know, I should really investigate more and, and understand the environment of, of Linux. Mm. Um, I know Windows. I've moved to Mac operating system about 10 years ago. And I mean, listen, you know, from what I understand, you know, Windows got pretty much 50% of the market share. And then it's 25, 25 between Mac and, and Linux roughly. And and I think just out of curiosity, I'd love to, if someone is listening and watching, if you're using Linux, just let mm -hmm. us know what you can do with it now compared to maybe, as you mentioned, um, all those years ago, listening to you brought back, you know, these awful memories of having to do a complete reinstall. Now, for our younger viewers and listeners, that meant literally, if I'm not mistaken, reformatting the hard drive and using the CD-ROMs, which took an, a whole afternoon, <laughs> really, to yeah. reinstall everything, praying they would have worked. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you, these days, the fact that you can just download it within moments you know, Windows Windows 10, Windows 11 are very stable. I've not really had any problems with Windows 10 in all the years I've been using it. But, yo, well, back in those days, you know, you might even have to call out an expert to help you as well. <laughs> yeah, because, of course, you would have, have saved all your documents and, and more into your little floppy disk, 1.44 megabytes of, That's of content. Oh, That's goodness. it. <laughs> hey, I tell you, once again, a wonderful, you know, walk down memory lane. But let's get back into the present with our creator shoutouts. Now, every week, Roger and I celebrate the work of content creators out there. So who is getting the shoutout this week, Roger? 
Well, it's not an individual, but I just couldn't resist. I just couldn't resist this. I came across, you know how YouTube just gives you suggested videos. Well, I came across this video, which absolutely grabbed my attention. Um, and it was basically sneaky ways fast food restaurants get you to spend more money. I thought, oh, that, that, that's, you know, sometimes pricing is a, is a topic that we just forget about in marketing, isn't it? But pricing is so, so important. And I watched this video and I thought, you know, this is so good. They really analyze how people like McDonald's and Burger King effectively get you to spend more, more than you might even spend in a proper restaurant um, because of the way that they price it, get you to buy the, um, you know, the ready meals, then you get you to go large and then you get you to ask for extra fries or whatever it might be, an extra large Sprite, an extra large Coke. And it's all geared towards getting you to spend more money. But then I was delighted to find that this particular video wasn't a one-off. Business Insider, who basically put this video together, have got an entire playlist of videos along these lines. And there's at least 20 videos, so I'm not gonna read them all out, but Sneakaways flower delivery services get your money. Sneakaways Apple stores get you to spend more money. Sneakaways all-inclusive resorts get you to spend more money. And the list goes on, and there's pretty much something that you will come across. I mean, the Starbucks is in there as well. Costco is in there as well. And each of these videos just looks at the pricing methods of these big businesses. And, you know, some of them are bordering on uh, on uh, you know pretty dodgy to me or at least they're using clever mind tech uh, techniques to get you to part with your cash so that's all i'm going to say because creator shout outs is just that it's a playlist i've included the li the link in the show notes as i say there's at least 30 videos there and you will learn something about pricing and you might even get some ideas although some of them you might have to wrestle with your conscience before you <laughs> use them <laughs> Oh, no, what have you done to me, Roger? I've got so much to watch already on my YouTube favorites, you know, but yeah, I, I like that. And and Business Insider is, is a great, you know, media company that they, they, they do share great information. So I've gone for an individual that I discovered really via moz.com. I received their kind of weekly newsletter. I came across this article from Sam Torres. I think Sam is short for Samantha. She's the Chief Digital Officer at Grey Dot Company in Atlanta, Georgia. And she wrote this article, which is exactly um, in line with our recent conversation from a fortnight ago, transitioning to G4, uh, A4, sorry. Mm -hmm. Is this the right analytics move for your team? And there's two reasons why I chose the article. A, it's exceptionally well written. It's an in-depth analysis. She's literally written a, an article that is over 2700 words with visuals and so on and so to begin with you know if you're thinking about moving as we discussed actually four nine to go from the current google analytics to ga4 you've got to read this article because sam has done an amazing job to argue the case um, against and for but for me it's also this idea of when you are as is the case with sam newer to the most.com community you could be forgiven to think, you know, who am I to even contribute uh, of anything of value? Most.com has been going for years. I'm, I'm a new kind of member. And actually what she's proven is that you can make a incredibly valuable contribution, even if you're new to a group, to a topic, or even to a profession. I mean, in the case of Sam, she only joined, you know, Most.com 30 days ago. 
and she stunned him with a bang. And that's something you and I have mentioned many times to our, to our customers. Yes, of course, you know, what you're about to say or what you want to cover as news or advice and more has been done before, but not by you and not in your way. And your way could actually be, as Sam has just done, a very much an in-depth analysis of a situation. Again, playing against you know, the, the kind of strange common wisdom that short is better. So here's my shout-out for this week, Sam Torres, who wrote this amazing article for Moz.com. Yeah, and another example of effectively debunking the mm. myth that short-form video is the way to go. Here is a real good example of long-form content. Thank you very much. Now, Roger, listeners and viewers, we have reached the final segment of Two Geeks and a Marketing Podcast. Get ready. This is Film Marketing. Yes. Oh, my goodness. This week, we are talking about the marketing of a movie that has become more successful online premiere of the much watch digital movie on hulu disney plus and star we are talking about the fifth installment of the beloved predator franchise the movie is prey let's watch and listen to the trailer together why do you want to hunt because you all think that i can't i saw a sign in the sky I'm ready. Maui, Nita. something else. I'm coming with you. You can't. I'm trying to protect you. Protect me from what? It's time. Goodness, wow. Pascal. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I've watched this twice now. So much uh, to say about this this movie directed by Dan Trachtenberg and starring a stellar cast of relatively unknown individuals at a time that is not always covered. You know, we are taken back nearly two, three hundred years back in time. 
is it a prequel? Is it a sequel? We, we can discuss that, but it has had the most remarkable impact online and offline. Yeah, I mean, I think we watched this film the same night, didn't we? But we didn't talk about it with each other until the following day. Um, I, I didn't even know, to be perfectly honest, that there was a new Predator movie inbound. I certainly didn't know that they were taking the approach they have taken, effectively setting it well in the past and effectively focusing it on a group of Comanches in uh, in America, and you know, even even the the scenery of the film, the cinematography, the scenery is absolutely spectacular. I mean, it, it gets full marks from me just for that. Uh, but what I loved about this was effectively it was just absolutely back to basics. You know, if you go back to 1987, the original Predator movie was just great big monster hunting. A, 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 a group of blokes and then eventually it was just the monster versus um, Arnold Schwarzenegger at the end and effectively that's what they've done they've gone back to here it's just warrior versus warrior or hunter versus hunter depending upon which way you want to look at it and I think that all the other predator movies in between these two have probably gone too far they've set them in cities or there's been loads of them or it's been aliens versus predator and they've gone away from that original concept of warrior against hunter or warrior against warrior and i think this recaptures the 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 tension the excitement the violence i guess of that original but completely transports it into a different environment and yet because it's set in the past it's just that environment that becomes a sort of almost like the third star of the show do you know i've read somewhere and i think that's exactly right people saying they mentioning of course the writers the directors the producers really they've understood what we have enjoyed about the very first predator mm. because act three which is essentially Arnold schwarzenegger against you know the predator the, the movie just goes into you know a completely different stratosphere you know and this kind of a mano a mano it's um you know kind of uh, bladed weapons there's, there's, the guns are gone and that kind of things and it's all about kind of man-made traps and and the, the whole sequence you know when Arnold Schwarzenegger is getting ready by building weapons by covering stuff in mud and so on with that wonderful you know kind of uh, soundtrack uh, Silvestri for memory serves it's just wonderful and then you have the fight and of course you've got the reveal for me what was interesting is I heard about a this movie some time ago but we'll discuss about this by the complexity of promoting maybe an online only um kind of bit of content when i saw the headline that it was an uli uh, sorry hulu should i say hulu original and an exclusive to hulu i just backed off thinking oh well never mind uh, maybe one day i'll get the chance to see that uh, and that to me was um the complexity of, of the marketing campaign because they were using three to four different distribution channels but the, the key message that seems to come through, and I know that it's the vagaries of, of social media and the internet sometime, it was only those who have had the chance to have a Hulu account that we get to see it. And of course, we all got to see it on Disney Plus and staff in some territories. Yeah, and, and I suppose my initial thought when I saw it was that, well, if it's gone straight to 
the platform, maybe it isn't actually that good. Because let's face it, when films go straight to DVD or straight to Blu-ray, there's always that undercurrent. Well, they're actually not very good. You know, they've got um, it, it, it's it's a rubbish plot, or the direction's rubbish, or it's just it's just a flop. So they just bury it on DVD. I guess maybe I was thinking that that here, but uh, absolutely not. This is and could have been and should have been probably a big screen movie. I think it's going to happen because, yeah. and that's kind of, it's fascinating because I find myself reading and saying sentences that we've not said before, and the most successful online premiere, yes, the most watched, you know, digital movie, um, opening nights, that kind of things. This is the territory of big screens, you know, uh, you're absolutely right. I see a, a future where either it's going to be done officially or indie cinema is going to create like a Predators weekend yeah. where they're going to be showing this one first and they're going to be showing all the Predator movies in, in, in order. Yeah. For me, the surprise came from how vicious and brutal the creature was compared to previous installments. Uh, yeah. Much to my delight, I hasten to add. But the combat, <laughs> the hand-to-hand -hand combat was just stunning. Yeah, it was. And... Um... The, the special effects, I think, were just perfect. It wasn't over the top. Um, I mean, I, I'm pretty sure the original Predator in the original film had laser guns and everything, but this time it, it was it was almost pared back a little bit. There were, all the technology was there, all the icons and all the, the sort of the heads-up display and everything was there, but he did seem to be a little bit less sophisticated, and therefore it became more about the hand-to-hand -hand combat, the physical combat, uh, and that just made it so much more exciting what was interesting with regard to, to the combat having watched it twice now um i don't know whether that's actual actual truth or just fan kind of uh, getting excited but they say oh this is the first time that the creature has been on earth and discovering obviously and i was thinking i wonder because when i was watching the combat a second time it had elements of you know japanese swordsmanship <laughs> it had elements of, of um using almost like a maze almost from uh, what you would expect from european continents and the shield reminded me a bit of kind of african tribes as well that could be just a coincidence but i wonder whether what we're seeing is a creature that has learned from other nations and it's working <coughs> excuse me it's working its way um, you know, towards the American continent to discover who's the top dog, literally. Well, that that's an interesting segue into what I wanted to say next, because, of course, one thing that really impressed me about this movie was how they created the authentic Comanche cultural references in this film. You know, they obviously hired a lot of people to help them with the cultural references, and they've even made a version totally in Comanche language, haven't they? Um, obviously, there's the English um, version. Uh, it would be absolutely fascinating to watch the Ka Comanche language version. And, and in fact, I'd, I think if there's one f tiny flaw, and it's only a tiny flaw that this film has, is that the, the US English version actually has these Comanche characters talking in sort of Hollywood um, Valley language, you know, so as I was like, oh my God, look at the size of that predator. A little, I think. I think they, even though they were speaking in English, I think they should have been speaking in English relevant to that time period, rather than talking as Americans would talk today. It was only a small thing, but I think the point is, because they got the cultural references so right, I think you're absolutely spot on. They could make another Predator movie set in Japan, set around samurais, or they could set, have another one set, as you say, in Africa, wherever it might be, and, and, and effectively show how this Predator has been sucking in 
the cultures and the, the more importantly the way these cultures fight as part of its adventure no absolutely right and kind of just very quickly because we must move on to yes to, to talk about the, the the marketing segment but what was interesting back to the my comment about they understood what we love so much about predator they, they kept everything that you could almost talk about the personal branding of the creature you know the the noise that it makes that, that strange clicking sound that is impossible to to reproduce as a human being the the roar the the the, the hit kind of vision you know the, the way in which it would also inspect you know um items and study yes uh, the, the cloaking you know kind of device everything was there but again it was almost a situation where we, the audience, knew a lot more than the main characters. And there was an element where we thought, you know, what how are they going to do? And they were also giving nods to, for example, not wishing to cover too many spoilers, but when she falls into the swamp, you know, making a nod to the the, the way in which um, Arthur Schwarzenegger's character yeah. discovers mud as a protection, the way they use, you know, um, the three red dots and, and that sound, everything was there. Mm -hmm. But it was in a completely different universe, and there was a delight. And what is interesting for you and I, as a segue to marketing, we've observed literally the, the campaign starting recently, reasonably recently, and the in the, the level of buzz and word of mouth marketing that you and I could observe live was so significant. I don't think I've seen a movie of that scale creating that amount of positive reaction. No, and this is this is really interesting because obviously it went straight onto Hulu. It didn't get a theatrical release. And compared to some of the marketing campaigns that we've reviewed here on the show over the last um, two years, it feels like a little bit of a low-key effort, doesn't it? Um, they've they created posters, they created trailers, teasers, there's been TV spots. But, you know, f the, this guy directed Cloverfield Lane, which is another film that we've we've talked about on the show, and the marketing campaign for that was extremely um, sophisticated. If I remember, you know, there was you could you were actually searching for clues to try and find the location of this uh, of this place. Whereas this film is what I would probably say is is just an absolute good old fashioned traditional trailer, poster, and word of mouth campaign. So the movie was released on the 5th of August. So it's literally you know, weeks away from recording this session. And having first dismissed it as, I won't be able to see this because it's only for Hulu, you and I were treated to an amazing teaser trailer, actually an amazing teaser trailer in the May of this year. And I saw it via Disney Plus. And suddenly I went, oh my God, no, I'd be able to see this, this movie. And and of course we discovered the, the the title as well at the same time. Yeah. So so the timeline is um, effectively the film was announced November 2020. Um, Amber Mid Thunder's casting May 2021, and the title we got the title um, November 2021. And as you say, it it looked as if it was just going to be Hulu, and I was just as delighted as you were. Um, they tweeted. They tweeted um, back in that time, and the, the tweet is actually a beautiful little picture. It says, an all-new entry in the Predator franchise, Prey, set, um, set in the world of the Comanche Nation 300 years ago, see an original film um, only on Hulu in 2022. And the, the, the image that goes with that is of um, Mid-Thunder walking through the forest in fog, and there's a very, very, very 
barely perceptible outline behind her, which could be her own shadow. If you look carefully, it's the right mm. shape. But if you look closer, of course, it's the shadow of something a lot scarier. With three red dots, which is again the, yeah. the trend mark. But but again, yeah. you know, you're back to this idea of um, for me, just think, oh well, never mind. You know, <laughs> we'll uh, we may maybe be able to buy the Blu-ray at some stage, or someone will buy the rights. Um, um, so so what is interesting as well, you know, what a brave decision around the title, right? Mm, yeah, absolutely. Um, it would have been so tempting, I guess, to have called it. What would it have been? Predator six, five, five <laughs> yeah, or six, depending five. which which way you look at it. Yeah, yeah. So that that is a trailer. Just to go back to it, um, superbly cut. You know the way in which you talk about you know the the monorail principle earlier. I mean that was just like, but also it was all geared towards this idea of actually the the, the noise and the soundscape, the sound design was all about the predator. Yeah, but that. You know, conflict almost just juxtaposition with the, the term prey. It was just so exciting, and and what a relief as well that you know I could could watch it finally. Yeah. And then, but a month later, because you know this is a tight campaign from yeah. May to the fifth of August, you have the full trailer where we get to know more about the character. Yeah, and 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 we've you know that that trailer just sells the film. It's it's got everything you need to absolutely I mean you you would watch that trailer and you would have probably <laughs> subscribed to Hulu just to just to be able to see it um I, I actually thought that the that the posters were were superb for this as well I mean the original poster has effectively amber mid thunder there but she's got that the sort of luminous green predator blood on her face yeah. now again that is quite clever because if you didn't know much about Comanche culture, you could be, um, you could think, well, actually, that's just face paint. But of course, we know that that's not what it is. It's actually predator blood, and I think that's mm. really quite, quite uh, interesting. And I think that there was a TV spot as well came out around the same time as the the, the uh, poster, and that was really focused on the fighting. Yeah, and do you know back to this idea of the 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 no and you you know what we loved about the nineteen eighty seven you know kind of um, first instalment, and to show as well that there was little to no CGI. I mean, you know, if you know what you're looking for, you'll spot it. But there's very very little, and in fact, since the you know the the fifth of August, there's been featurettes and more showing as they did in nineteen eighty seven. You know the the actor wearing the suit, which must have taken just simply hours and hours oh, to of get into effects and makeups to get into it. Yeah, and 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 of course the second poster um, effectively had the the predator in it. I think the original teaser trailer and the original poster just focused on Amber's character, whereas they then showcased the predator itself and the size and the viciousness. And the you know sort of the violence and of the tech of of the predator. The one one of the things that I really liked was as again you know they had the Comic Con um, over in the states in July yes. twenty twenty two. And again, this is this is just it feels to me again back to basics marketing. But can you imagine getting your hands on one of these? They actually created a poster specifically for Comic Con, and, and and again the tweet says for all you Predator fans, um, head to the Disney TV. TV studios booth at noon today to pick up an exclusive 
Prey movie poster. Limited amounts handed out each day through till Sunday. You know, I bet people were queuing up to get those. I mean, it's another glorious piece of artwork. And I would have been happy to have picked up one of those, brought it home, framed it, and stuck it on the wall. Well, it's interesting about the, the posters. I will confess, at first, I just wasn't sure... You know, by the design, I felt it was unclear. You couldn't see the creature so well. You know, I was thinking, well, what what are they doing here? But of course, part of the experience of watching the movie for the first time is the reveal of the creature, and because it looks very different, you know, and and the weapons and so on. And I think, therefore, that was part and parcel of the sentiment of of secrecy. You had to really go into the movie. And going back to the very first one, with the character of uh, Naru, I'm told that Nadu is the way you pronounce it in, in Comanche. I was looking at this poster with you know the, the green kind of war paint, the blood of the predator, thinking that reminds me of something. And it took me days, Roger, to remember that this is almost like the poster of the Emerald Forest ah, with a very long yeah, Charlie yeah. Boorman. Yeah. But we're back to this idea of being amongst nature, amongst trees and so on, which is, as you said, a, an important character um, in the movie. So at first, like I said, I was a little thinking, what's going on with those posters? We can't see anything. But that's <laughs> obviously uh, on purpose, which is perfect. And of course, they had a advanced screening oh, of the yes. film. <laughs> and that, I mean, they married it up with a scavenger hunt, apparently, so that attendees at Comic-Con could search for tokens uh, and apparently there was they could find an uh, invite to a specific um, exclusive party later on but actually showing the film there was obviously a stroke of genius because the amount of word of mouth generated by that and I bet a lot of people like you and I were probably taken by surprise with the quality of this you can just imagine the, the word of mouth like an avalanche going out the door and, and, and sweeping across social media Talking about social media, I spent far too long on Twitter looking at what was <laughs> happening. And what I will say for all, you know, you mentioned that in terms of scale and size, it is not in, you know, akin to 10 Cloverfield Lane. They really, really went to town. So to begin with, they had a multiplicity mm. of the different partners. So Trunch of Century Studios, literally it's almost like an official social media account takeover. If you go on their Twitter account, you've got the top banner, which is about prey. They even changed the logo of the Trunch of Century Studio to have that kind of heat um, vision that as, you've, as if you were a product which I think is actually a small segment in the um, in the trailer. Uh, what was interesting, they didn't go ahead with the official Prey um, Twitter account or Facebook and so on. They actually used the Predator official mm. Twitter account, which mm. shows th th this uh, alignment with, with the franchise as well. But again, the top banner is about Prey, and we see obviously the character of Nauru, and you have also the logo from Predators being changed to Prey. And so it goes on with Disney Plus UK, with Hulu, with Star Plus and so on. There's almost, if you like, you know, the Prey is what they are pushing at this moment in time, which is um, fascinating. As you continue looking at the um, tw official Twitter account, Predator, Prey, they, the team running the account, Roger, clearly didn't go to bed. I've not slept for the last few weeks because the amount of retweeting and reaction is just um, nonstop. You have, of course, uh, fan art galore. I mean, people have gone to town in terms of painting, sculptures, even using computer design and so on to recreate, you know, uh, both Nauru and Sari, the dog. 
by the way, the dog has been praised <laughs> a number of times on the socials as well. But for me, what I got really exciting as a fan is that the original cast from Predator 1987, Bill Duke and Jesse Ventura, have praised the film. So not only did you get the buzz on social media, but their praises then got picked up by the printing media. And there were an article about the father Jesse Ventura and Bill Duke were approving of Prey. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned the dog, actually, Pascal, because once again, literally the following, the week following where we were praising a seagull for its acting abilities, I just thought the dog was fab fantastic. It just, it was so well trained and well acted, I guess, you know, again, hats off to them for, for making that real dog do all the work rather than cheating and getting a cgi version no. one of one of my favorite um posters is actually the cave painting version of the poster i see right is is just so gorgeously simple again you know what i'm like with my simplicity but you've effectively got two versions of the cave painting one you've got the the english version which just says the word prey and you've got the sort of cave painting version of amber diving off the top and then you've got the cave painting version of the the predator and they're effectively just like stick people aren't they mm. the way that they've done it and then the the great thing is that they've got the comanche version as well i i, I probably won't be able to pronounce uh kutamia is the the uh, comanche version of prey but again the poster is they've replaced the word with the comanche version and i think that's just beautiful that's absolutely beautiful Indeed, and that's what we've seen to the um, into the closing, closing credits, uh, which has led actually for a lot of fans to speculate whether there'll be a, a sequel. Because if you watch the closing yes. credits all the way to the end with this kind of um, native um, artwork, it tells a bit more of the story after obviously um, Nauru comes back to, to, to her village. I wanted to quickly mention, you know, with regard to um, social media and the power of word of mouth marketing, I was um, very surprised, not surprised, but I was delighted to see, because we don't get to have that, that kind of examples, you know, often in the film marketing, that every single member of the crew and the cast were able to talk about the film. You know, it felt like whether you were part of the special effects for the creature, whether you actually were the music composer, whether you were someone just making tea, everybody was talking about the film. I even saw people talking about Prey on LinkedIn who were part of the special effects team and so on. So the coverage from the digital point of view was, was amazing, but that triggered the coverage in more mainstream media. This is this is actually a very important point that people should should focus on because a lot of companies, you know, we were talking about financial services and compliance earlier on. A lot of companies won't let their staff talk about the company on social media. You know, it's got to be the official account that talks about, uh, you know, the company. Uh, but this is a great example. If if you empower your staff to rave about what you do. You know, obviously give them guidelines and tell them, you know, the limits as to what they can say, etc. But if you get them involved, the word of mouth just increases exponentially. So for, for me, what has been interesting is um, they've also used, you know, expected tactics when it comes to social media. So they've repurposed all the praises that came from, from the media into animations and so on. But for me, in the context of a online premiere and the context of a digital uh, streaming only, to get 92% you know, kind of thumbs up from Rotten Tomatoes. Yes. I don't think I've seen this score ever from that platform. No, that's right. And I wanted to just mention one thing, I guess, before we, we 
draw this to a conclusion, Pascal, is that I came across an article written by, uh, that had an interview with the director in it, where he was describing how the marketing campaign would have looked had they gone for a proper cinema uh, launch. Now, he describes it not in a massive amount of detail. I, I still think the campaign might have been less sophisticated than, say, Cloverfield Lane. But from what they were saying, they would have spent a lot more time just teasing Naru and her Comanche background and the fact that she's going out into the wilderness to prove herself. And they would have teased her as the individual a lot, lot more. And then there would have been another teaser which involved her having the fight with the bear, which is quite a scary part of the film. And they were going to keep the reveal of the predator back for quite a long time to build up that tension. Now, I did, I and mean, we will never know the answer to this, but I did wonder with, whether that would have been successful. Would people have realised that this was going to be a, a, a really good, exciting Predator movie? Or would they have just dismissed it as, well? this is some sort of um, Western or cultural uh, film about Comanches. I'm not really that interested in that. It's a rite of passage for, for a Comanche girl as opposed to a, a, a Predator movie. We'll never know the answer to that, but it's interesting that they effectively storyboarded the marketing campaign as it might have been. It would be fascinating to get a chance to speak to the director, you know, Dan Trachtenberg, and even his colleague, you know, the writer, Patrick Ayson, because there's going to be all this conversation. There's going to be, you know, the same way in the editing room, there'll be things that have been put to one side or in the bin, which may actually make it to the, um, to the Blu-ray special edition. Um, for me, I'm going to watch it a third time now in Comanche, and I can expect that many, like many others around the world, we can't wait for somebody to take the initiative and do a double bill, Prey 2022 and Predator 1987, just yes. watch it all in one sitting because they belong. I think from a from a um, environment point of view, from a texture point of view, from a you know experience which is both visual and um, and oral as well, they, they belong together a lot more, as you mentioned, Roger, than any of the other you know kind of chapters in in the franchise agreed oh my goodness well i have no idea how i'm going to kind of move from that to you know <laughs> wrapping up this um episode of um two gigs and martin podcast i'm going to say thank you to roger edward for being a wonderful co-host and for doing so much of the research on prey i want to thank you viewers and listeners for allowing us to begin a third year of production of this podcast, both available as video and audio only series. We're going to continue to look at ways to make sure that your marketing is done right. Until the next one, please keep us in mind for marketing, news, tech and content that can make your life easier as a content creator and marketer. I was Pascal Pintoni and he was Roger Edward.